0: Welcome everybody. Good morning. This is Vernon Oaks. Uh, welcome to Everything Co-op. We are pleased that you are listening to us this morning. We're pleased that we're up and about, and we have Mr. Bruce Mayer, partner of Wegner CPA. Good morning, Bruce. Hello. How are you today? Good, thank you. Fantastic. Glad you take out time today to be with us. You are a CPA. Um, what? What is? I think of CPAs as guys with. They little hat, these little visors on their head, and they sit around with pencil and paper dealing with numbers. Is that what you do all day?
1: <laughs> I don't have a visor, um, but I do uh, largely deal with uh, numbers all day and helping to solve people's problems. I help them uh, file their tax returns and stay uh, in compliance with, uh, with various kinds of rules.
0: Okay. How did you decide to do this kind of work?
1: Uh, but I actually got started in accounting through co-ops, which is kind of uh, interesting and, and I think relevant. Uh, I was uh, working as a, a part-time uh, staff person at a small food co-op in Madison, Wisconsin, which is where I still am, uh, the Mifflin Street Community Cooperative, uh, and uh, our bookkeeper left and uh, we were having trouble finding somebody who had the right experience and would fit in with our collective decision-making model. And so I volunteered to be the bookkeeper, and there was somebody to, uh, who could get, train me in the basics. And then <clears throat> they made it a condition of, uh, of uh, moving me to that position that I take two semesters of accounting, and I uh, fell in love with it. Uh, and ended up going back to school and getting my uh, MBA in accounting. So
0: Wow. <laughs> I, I've heard of people say, you know, I learned a lot in the co-op and I applied that to my personal, like, you know, budgeting and savings and working together. And so I've heard that, but I've never heard anybody say, I started working in the co-op in this field and then I that became my career. That's neat.
1: Uh, yes, it, it, I uh, I have actually an undergraduate degree in botany uh, uh, and had a lot of uh, math and so forth, but no business uh, experience whatsoever. Uh, so it, it sort of opened my eyes to take the accounting classes and learn about uh, you know that aspect of business, and I, I really loved it. And I realized that I was better at helping people solve those sorts of problems than uh, I'm not such a people person that I'm I'm good at group dynamics and. You know, making board meetings better and things like that. But I can help people solve uh, accounting, uh,
0: tax-related problems. We have a similar background in that I have a bachelor's and master's in math. And so I had a friend of mine when I was teaching math. He asked me to do his accounting, if you will, keep the books I didn't like it. So, you, okay, so that was I, I thought I might even go into it. And I had one interview after my NBA and I just said, no, 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 I don't think that because I I like the people side. and I like being out with people. And I couldn't see myself in this little desk with the visor on dealing with the numbers all day long. But you got your Yes. And success in
1: accounting does require, uh, you know, being uh, dealing with people and helping them you know, understanding their problem and helping them solve it. But you do also spend a lot of time by yourself, uh, you know, manipulating numbers and reading, you know, tax code and, and things like that. And that's certainly not for
0: everybody. <laughs> true. true. <laughs> so how old were you when you were at the food co-op in Madison? Uh, what... I was
1: in my uh, mid-20s. I had uh, gotten that undergraduate degree and then decided not to go to graduate school. And it uh, you know, was Basically hanging out and uh, had started volunteering at the food co-op and then, uh, you know, got the part time job there. So I was in my mid 20s. So I started in public accounting uh, when I was 29, which is a little later than most people do.
0: Well, you found your love. You found your passion in co-ops. That's fine by going, working with and through co-ops. Wonderful. So you are a certified public accountant. And what is that for people out there that may not know what what you all do and how you become a CPA? Sure.
1: Yeah, a CPA is a license that's uh, generally regulated by your state, uh, and so you need to have the CPA exam which is a pretty comprehensive if you put it all together into one test it would take a day and a half and in order to be qualified to sit for that exam you have to have uh, basically five years of college now uh, essentially the equivalent of an MBA uh, in order to be able to to get that and so once you have it um, you are able to You know, be part of a CPA firm or go off on your own and you're able to sign tax returns, uh, which the IRS regulates, who is allowed to be a paid preparer on a tax return. And then also that you can issue audits and reviews uh, of financial statements. Um, So. On a day-to-day basis, uh, you know what CPAs are doing is uh, working with uh, individuals and businesses to look at uh, the financial reports uh, that they have, and then generally. Uh, Accomplishing a goal like getting a tax return done or if they have a requirement to have an audit or a review of their financial statements, uh, you know, get, getting that done so that it can be given to a bank or a regulator or, or whatever. And then in other cases, uh, CPAs are helping look at a business and help analyze uh, you know, how things are going. Are expenses too high? Uh, is there some way to improve the margin? Things like that. So th- there's a wide range of things that people do. Uh, you know, even beyond what I just mentioned. But that's mm-hmm. generally what CPAs are doing.
0: So you mentioned a couple of times an audit versus a review. Um, what is that?
1: Sure. Uh, and the word audit always scares everybody. When I say that I do audits, they immediately think that I work for the IRS, which which we don't. Okay. Um, we're, we're helping protect you from the IRS, hopefully. Um, but... Uh, an audit or a review is looking at the financial statements of a business which are the balance sheet income statement, statement the cash flows, and, and some footnotes that describe the financial results of that business and the CPA comes in and uh, examines those. So uh, an audit is a higher level where we're looking at underlying details. Um, and then a review is a, a, a lesser level of scrutiny, uh, but still taking a look at the financial statements to see if there's any error, uh, potential errors or misstatements in those. And then we put our report on it uh, saying either in a review that we're not aware that there are any problems in the numbers or in an audit uh, actually giving an opinion that it's a fair presentation of the, the financial information. Uh, so, it, it's a fairly specialized thing, um, but many uh, organizations, many nonprofits are required to have those uh, to meet state regulations uh, if they're uh, above a certain size. and. Oftentimes, larger co-ops need those uh, either to assure their members that things are being done on the uh, uh, done correctly, or that they have outside loans. Um, you know that they have lenders that want to see a review or an audit, or if they're issuing um, uh, securities, like a, if they have preferred shares, um, and sometimes even member loan programs. The state. Uh, that they're uh, residing in may require them to have an audit of their financial statements. So it's basically helping people stay in compliance regulations and then assuring the lender, or the members that the financial information is uh, is accurate.
0: So uh, being a property manager, and that's where I learned about co-ops, I find audits are very, very helpful to make sure that that my clients, the, the co-op or condo um, are they know that we are doing things, that somebody's looking over our shoulders to make sure we're doing things properly. Um, so that's oh, why absolutely. I like artists also.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I've found that in cooperatives when it's a small group, say a worker co-op of six people, you know, they don't really need that because everybody can take a look at the numbers and, and feel comfortable that they have a personal feel for it. But if you get a worker co-op with you know 100 200 or more people obviously many of those people uh, are not at all involved in the financial information uh, but you know their livelihood depends on on this business and and the patronage dividends they're allocated uh, and so forth uh, are dependent on, on the numbers being uh, fair uh, and hope, and accurate, and so uh, having an auditor review when a when a clock gets larger can help give everybody confidence that things are are being done correctly. They're not
0: being taken advantage of. So I, I I had not thought about this so clearly. You mentioned patronage dividends, but for people out there in the audience, that a patronage dividend is like your bonus at the end of the year, or it is if there's profit, how much the co-op decides that they are going to give to the members how much and the members make that decision. And that if you if you have one hundred dollars in profit, how much of it stays in the business for growth, how much of it goes to social responsibilities out in the community and how much goes back to the members. So the members help make that decision. But those numbers have to be correct uh, to make sure that no none of it is leaking out anywhere um, so that people can get their Deserve dividends or bonus at the end of the year. Is that summary kind of correct? Oh yes. Um, and it,
1: it follows, uh, you know, one of the co-op principles that, uh, That profits should be allocated based on the work that somebody does or the business that that, uh, a member does with the co-op. That you're doing your allocations proportional to that as opposed to proportional to ownership, which is the traditional uh, model for a business. So uh, certainly... you know, everybody wants to make sure that they understand how that formula works, and that they all agree in advance that it's a fair, a fair way to allocate things, and then that it's accurately
0: executed. So you come in with that, that it's actual that everything is accurate, and that that yes. principle, by the way, is the third principle: member economic participation. So there's normally some buy-in. Uh, food co-ops, I've heard, is hundred dollars, maybe ten dollars a month or something they put very, very low buy- in and it could be a thousand two thousand ten thousand, but it um a lot of times it can be very low and when there is a surplus when and if there's a surplus or profit, then uh, that allocation can be had and you that's great that somebody's come around and make sure the numbers are are accurate, okay. And there's a total of seven principles. We may get through those before the before we finish here today. Um, so that's what a CPA does, and that's why it's so important to everybody in the organization and to government officials. Sometimes IRS, the um, uh, if there's a loan out there anywhere, or if there's preferred stock, it's kind of like it's a liability to somebody, then they want to make sure that the numbers are accurate and. Again, that no no money is getting lost and running out the door in any kind of way. Um, let's see. There was something else that you mentioned. I don't have it here, but I'll come back to it. Oh, balance sheet. Um, I have found, Bruce, that the balance sheet is more important than the income statement. And most people think of the income statement, of, uh, the income and expenses that's the most important thing, what do you think about that statement?
1: Sure, and that's one that uh, you know professional accountants uh, think about a lot uh, because the income statement is intuitive to most people. You understand that money is coming in, uh, you know, for the revenue of the business, and then that money is going back out again to pay. Okay, we, I need you to. I'm sorry
0: to cut you off, but I need to stop there, and we'll come back on this—the difference between a balance sheet and income statement—after our first break. We'll be right back. Is power. It really is power. Uh, but it's stored power. You only get the power, the use of the power when you get into action. You have to like strike that match, and that match is action to get the power in everyday life. It's doing something. Uh, so the National Co-op Bank is sponsoring this program to give you information about cooperatives. So that you may go and start one year itself, or get it for a group of people, three, four, five people and start a co-op to solve some community problem or go find a co-op, whether that's a food co-op, housing co-op. And you might be like Bruce Mayer, who's our guest today, who went and volunteered at a food co-op and he got his career. Maybe I started to say you got your life, Bruce, but you got your career out of volunteering at a food co-op. And before we took break, Bruce, we were talking about the difference between balance sheet and income statement, and you were saying the income statement, the money that's coming in and the money that's going out is intuitive. Let's go from there.
1: Sure. Uh, But then the balance sheet of an organization is is not so intuitive because it it sums up the total of the assets, uh, which uh, is cash and money owed to the business and buildings and equipment and things like that, and then uh, subtracts the liabilities, which is what you owe on those things, uh, loans or day-to-day Payments that need to be made for things like utilities and telephone. Uh, and then uh, the remainder there is the equity or investment that the members have in the co op. Uh, and so it, it is very important because it tells you about how much debt that the co op has and that, um, uh, you know, whether there's uh, uh, lots of. Lip- uh, It must be a a bad line, I'm not sure. But um, it tells people about how much money uh, they owe to outside parties and uh, how much of their money is tied up in things like equipment and and building.
0: Okay. So what I've got is a very simple, I say assets uh, and your liabilities must equal. That's what the balance is all about. And assets are what you own, what you own and you you own some cash and you own some buildings and some equipment and liabilities are what you owe and that's owed to other people in terms of notes or loans or mortgages and then what you owe the shareholders in terms of equity. And that's the only way I've been able to explain it to where I can get most people to understand that uh, own and owe. And they get, they kind of sort of get that, as opposed to assets and liabilities, but that's well, that's why it's so important.
1: Yes, uh, and that uh, you uh, the assets are what the business controls that you can put number amounts on, and then those assets could get divided out in what you owe to other folks and what you own uh, by the members.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so. That's your background, your life story, and what you are doing—at least, not your life story—relates to your career. But how did you end up in Wagner?
1: Sure. Uh, well, after I had uh, graduated uh, with my MBA, uh, I uh, my interest in co-ops is more with the. Things like food co-ops, housing co-ops, uh, and I guess what are considered more alternative co-ops. And uh, the only uh, uh, opportunities to work with, with a co-op related firm in the Madison area was one that worked with uh, large agricultural co-ops and so forth. And that just didn't personally interest me. Mm-hmm. So I started working at Wegner CPAs uh, because uh, they did a lot of work with nonprofit organizations, and also just a little bit with co-ops. Uh, and so uh, you know, I'm also interested in you know, social change and making the world a better place. And so I uh, thought that using my accounting uh, skills to uh, work with nonprofits would be a good thing. And uh, public accounting, it takes a long time to get good, even though you have a, a degree and an an advanced degree, uh, it still takes you at least three to five years of uh, working uh, to uh, to be able to really help people. And so, after that three to five years, I, I still had contacts in the co-op world, and uh, you know, sort of uh, bit by bit uh, started working with more and more co-ops. Uh, initially, uh, everybody in Madison, and then later on uh, with co-ops outside of Wisconsin.
0: So, I think if I had the wisdom that you just talked about is that you wanted to use your c p a to help social change to help make the world a better place. I think if I had had that view, I might have gone into accounting. But my view of accounting and what was laid out to me in those first three to five years was just in the in the room taking the numbers, and as I've worked with accountants and c p a s and auditors. I can s I can get a sense that some are more on that lean towards social change, social responsibility than others. Some are just numbers, some are more people oriented. So you may be more people oriented than you think you are or what you just first said. <laughs> okay. Sure.
1: Well well and I I love working with co ops, so you know, one of the things that didn't occur to me when I first started, um, you know, were things like the purchasing co-ops that I work with, where um, you know businesses get together to help improve their buying power, uh, and so it allows things like independent pharmacies to still exist. Uh, you know, if if the uh, independent pharmacies didn't have buying co-ops uh, to get together and get better prices uh, on their drugs and other products, you know, Walgreens and Walmart and so on would have put them all out of business uh, years ago, which would be a shame.
0: Mm-hmm. So we've mentioned several different types of co-ops. So let me give the audience um, uh, overall the four basic types. There's all kinds of types, but there's four basic. And the first one, it depends on who owns and controls the business. And if the workers, if the employees own and control the business, it's called a worker co-op. And Bruce has already mentioned that the, that group. And they can be small or large, uh, worker co-op, and then if the business is owned and controlled by the people that buys and uses the products and services, it's called a consumer co-op. The consumers own that business, and most food co-ops are that way. Food co-ops could be worker-owned or consumer-owned. Uh, housing co-ops are consumer co-ops. Credit unions are consumer co- co-ops. So those are t- two of the bigger types. And of course, worker co-ops can be any business you can think of, and then you have purchasing co-ops. And a lot of farmers have used this so that they, farmers would get together and create a company that would go buy their, the things that they need so they can produce whatever they're producing, their seed, their fertilizer, their gas, equipment. And that company got better at purchasing and so they could get, and bought in volume so they could get a better quality normally for a lower price. So that purchasing co-op groups of people and artists are beginning to use those now. Different people are beginning to use that. And there's a group in D.C., Bruce, called CPA Community Purchasing Alliance that was working with um, schools, charter schools, nonprofits, and churches and buying all kinds of things and get their prices way down. Churches were paying way too much for garbage collection, for example, maybe seven times more than what they're paying now. Um And then on the other side of that farm or that artist group is a marketing co op, and sometimes they're called producer co ops. And so groups of farmers would come together and say, okay, we're all producing milk in the farm in Madison, Wisconsin, or in Vermont, or they might not be able to market their products to California or something. So they constrained to where they are. So they formed a marketing co-op. So that all of these farmers put their products into this marketing co-op, and then they had expertise of all of the markets, and they would add value to them. Um, Cabot Creamery is an example. Ocean Spray. Um, so these farmers, would, the Cabot Creamery, would take this milk and make cheese and cottage cheese and yogurt and all these different things, adding value. And whenever, whenever the marketing co-op or the um, purchasing co-op made money, the farmers made some money and got dividends that we've already talked about. Wow. Did I get it? <laughs>
1: yes. And uh, right here in Wisconsin, we have Organic Valley, which started out very small and uh, which now allows uh, family farmers to uh, continue to exist by, uh, by producing organic milk, uh, cheese, and so forth, where the uh, these days, generally, only very, very large dairies can exist in the in the uh, non organic uh, milk area. So, co-op is definitely helping keep family farmers on their farms.
0: And in Madison, also, you have a consumer health clinic that I had the pleasure of talking with somebody about on the show. That where the patients own the health clinic, so it's a patient centric clinic, which I like that idea of. So you. All kinds of different things. You can, all kinds of different businesses. In Pittsburgh, there is a group of artists, African American, well, uh, people of color, women own this business and they make, um, you know, scarf and jewelry and clothing, paintings, and they also buy from other women and Put in their store, so any individual artist could not have had a storefront, but collectively they can, and they can sell their wares there. So it, it, this co-op really, really works and functions well in a whole lot of different ways.
1: Yes, and, and I've actually we've actually experienced that just you know, purely on the accounting side, where we've run into people who were running businesses. Uh, uh, particularly purchasing groups who were operating exactly like a co-op, but they didn't know what a co-op was. And so when we came into contact with them, we explained what it was and that they should actually formally be a co-op and there would be some savings, tax savings for them. And so they were surprised and pleased, but I, I think that a co-op is a natural business model.
0: I may have a company to tell you about. I've just heard about them last night. I was at dinner with some entrepreneurs. And the guy said that his employees started a company, which he helped them start a company. And then uh, I'll come back and I'll tell you about it after a second of break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative, and we have Mr. Brooke Mayer on the phone. Bruce, I was telling you about I was with a friend of mine uh, at a dinner. A group of entrepreneurs get together once a month, and we talk about our. we're all in different businesses. There was eight of us around the table last night, and we all had similar problems. So this one gentleman was telling me about telling the group that his employees, he is a solar they they deal with solar panels and energy, and his employees he helped them to start another business, and he is giving and now he gives them business. And I was saying why not start, why didn't they start a co-op because it sounds like a co-op. So I I was talking about the radio program. That's how we got into that. But I didn't know they, they would be tax savings if they became a co-op. So there might be a reason for them to do this. So I may want to put you two together if, if that's okay.
1: Sure, yes. Uh, in certain situations, co-ops definitely uh, have advantages uh, for taxes um, and, and deferral of paying your taxes and and so forth. It, it depends on the particulars of their situation. And, and I've been running into that more and more because there are many businesses that are converting from being uh, – other kinds of uh, businesses to being worker co-ops where the owner is about to retire or move on or um, something like that. And uh, it makes sense for the workers to potentially buy that business as opposed to Shutting it down or selling it to uh, you know another uh, individual, uh, and so there are lots of situations where uh, we get a chance to talk to people about uh, you know what could be the advantages of being a co-op, and there there are some. So uh, it's certainly uh, a good business model to, uh, to for people to consider.
0: So I just left last weekend. I was at the in Cincinnati at the Cincinnati Union uh, Cooperative Initiative a biannual meeting. And that's the first time I really heard about conversions, particular manufacturing companies. there's some huge number of uh, small businesses that are owned by baby boomers. And in fact, the number in my head is 67%. I don't know if that's right or not, but some huge number of of businesses owned by baby boomers, and they call it the silver tsunami, that all of us baby boomers are at the age we want to, leave the business, and too often there are no children to leave it to. And only 13% of those uh, had a secession plan. And so a lot of them do what you were talking about. They shut down or they sell to a larger company, and too often that larger company may close that particular branch down. Those employees end up with no work, and that community that that business was in don't have that revenue, that tax revenue, and That multiplier effect. And that's why converting it to a co-op is a win, 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 win. It's a win for the employees, a win for the community, and a win for the person that owns the business because you can get some long-term revenue off of it potentially. So I I like that model a lot. Oh, absolutely. And and many uh, uh, community
1: development agencies and and governments have realized that the state of of Colorado has a major initiative going to uh, make available resources to help convert businesses to co-ops as opposed to other things we mentioned uh, where they may just shut down.
0: Well, I didn't know about that in Colorado because I try to find out what different communities are doing so we can pass it to the other communities. I know New York is doing a lot. Wisconsin particularly Madison is doing a lot. Uh, Richmond has a community wealth building division. Um, so yeah, that's nice to know about Colorado. So what does Wagner, and you said they were doing they were doing nonprofits when you came in and some co-ops. So what does Wagner do now in supporting co-ops?
1: Well, we uh, have built up a team of uh, people who have expertise in co-ops. Uh, cooperatives are, are just different enough from other kinds of entities that um, most CPAs uh, and accountants feel uncomfortable with them or, or aren't interested in working with them uh, because it, they have to learn something new. And, and that's always a, a challenge and uh, and so forth. So we have uh, about eight people who do a lot of work with co-ops uh, and so we're working with all kinds of uh, housing and purchasing food and so forth that we've talked a little bit about. Um so that that is a lot of what we do and we have a a website with some uh Resources on our blog that help people, and uh, I'm regularly answering questions for people who, who aren't our clients, and uh, you know, helping them out here and there, pointing them in the right direction to make sure that uh, that the co-ops are getting good, uh, accurate, uh, you know, tax tax and uh, accounting advice.
0: And what is your webpage in case somebody wants to look at it?
1: It is at WegnerCPAs.com. W-E-G-N-E-R c-p-a-s dot com and so, it's pretty specialized in uh, in accounting uh, there's not a lot of other sorts of things but it is there is a co-op page there uh, that has uh, some fairly useful uh comparatives between different kinds of entities
0: so i want to give a shout out to brian dalk who worked for wagner i met him in san diego and he introduced himself, Bruce, as a co-op accountant. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I assume he's one of those eight you're talking about. He
1: is. And, and Brian came up. He started his career as a bookkeeper in a housing co-op system. So he was running uh, the the local student housing group uh, here in Madison as their uh, Bookkeeper, and so he uh, uh was doing that for quite a few years uh and then uh later came to work with us specifically because we were working on co ops
0: well i i as you said that story, I do remember him telling me that I had forgotten it but um he's you all have done an audit for one of the properties I manage, and I was excited and what was the clincher. Because, you know, we want somebody close by and you guys are up in Wisconsin and how are we going to do this? And a lot we can do technology. Um, but the other thing is that I found out you were managing Greenbelt and they've been on our program. Greenbelt Homes is 1600 units. So I figured if you can do the audit for a 1600 unit, you can definitely do one for a 50 unit, 75 unit, 100 unit co-op. So it was nice to find out you were doing there. And they, they talk highly about you guys, too
1: well yeah we we really enjoy working with co-ops all over and uh, it's nice with technology and so on it, it's something that you know 30 years ago was was not easy uh, today is very easy to uh, work with folks all over and we're happy to travel as well
0: well if it's real easy maybe we can get a, a discount on a cost of the <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we do what we can Okay. <laughs> So we talked a little bit about the principles of, of, of co-ops, and there are seven of them. We talked about the member economic participation. Uh, training is very important also. But I want to go to the values, particularly the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for others. That's the values of the co-op. What's the values of Wagner. Well, we
1: have uh, we do have a value statement and so on, and it, we we are not a cooperative, um, but we certainly uh, you know talk about putting our uh, uh, our employees first as far as making sure that we're valuing them and that we're doing the right thing. When you're a CPA, it's very important uh, to. Uh, uh, make sure that you're being ethical and giving people good advice. And uh, everybody makes mistakes, and in accounting, you realize that uh, maybe more than other places where uh, you know you forgot something or you didn't didn't uh, calculate something right. And and when you find those mistakes, if they've uh, you know affected a client, you need to go back to them and say. You know, we made a mistake. Let's make this
0: right. Um, so uh, we feel like that's a very important value. That's hard to do. At least I have found it hard to do. Uh, but we're all human and therefore nobody's perfect. And we make mistakes. And when you find you made a mistake to go look, go back to that board and say, here's a mistake we made. This is what it costs you. Here's how we can solve that. That. Yeah, it's hard to do, but it's, it's a great value to have. I'm, I'm glad you do that. And fortunately, we haven't found any mistakes that you've made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yes, uh, uh, accounting is a, a place where you do need to be pretty careful about things like that. But as I said, everybody makes mistakes and you just have to, uh, you know, find a way to make it right.
0: So going back to value, I like in, in your statement, you talk about the golden rule. Um, so what is that? How do you do that in your business? Treating people the way you want to be treated.
1: Um. Well, I th- I think that uh, it, you know although as I said you know we we are not a co-op we do solicit input from our staff regularly and and we have committees of our staff that uh, you know uh, give input on things so that we're not making uh, you know decisions without everybody having uh, had some uh, ability to take a look at an issue and input Uh, one of the things in an accounting firm is that it's easy to grow uh, by uh, 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 you know going out and finding uh, clients who are maybe less than ideal to work with Uh, and so our staff uh, likes to make sure that we're not just uh, doing that to uh, to bring in more revenue but that we're uh, uh, bringing in clients that make sense for our expertise and also uh, you know that don't present any problems work with. There are certainly people out in the world who want to cut corners and uh, you know cheat the IRS and so forth, and uh, we have to make sure that we're not working with people like that. Uh, it's, it's not good for your business.
0: Well, I wish I had learned that earlier in terms of, you call it intelligent growth, um, that there's some, I have, when I took on property management, there are some some businesses, some business I would not take. If and I, I always told in proposal, in the, whenever you know we sit down with the board. If if you don't want to do things according to federal law, state law, in this case DC, um, um, your bylaws, um, your whatever you say, your policies and procedures and house rules. If you don't want to do things that way, then please don't hire us. And I would say that. And sometimes what would end up happening was the board that hired you changed. And the new board may not want to do that. (laughs) So uh, and then the ones I've gotten in trouble with is normally it's been a board change. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's extremely important. And I would would have wished I I did. I'm closing my property management business down, Bruce. I don't know if you know that or not. At the end of this year. And I've been doing it for 26 years, and I wish I had known that at the beginning of it. It would have saved some trouble. Well, it's harder to
1: implement than it is to say, certainly. Um, but uh, we, and, and it's actually one of the reasons I love working with co ops because uh, my experience in co ops is almost uniformly that everybody is very ethical and wants to get to the right answer and is not. You know, you know, wanting to cut corners uh, to save taxes and so forth. They just want everything to be right. Um, and so that's not something that you necessarily find in all small businesses or, um, you know, even uh, it, it's not common, but occasionally you run into nonprofits who have that sort of uh, view too. But co-ops have been really great to work with. Uh, and I think that people do take those uh, co-op principles seriously. So uh, it, it's another reason that we, we like working with co-ops.
0: Yeah you know, That's the ethical value. That's why I said those first for co-ops and I have found the same thing. I, I, I've also found that the ones that cause trouble and it may be a very small amount because even like in um, housing co-ops, uh, HUD had found that the, just so few of the of the units that they have the properties that they have funded ended up in foreclosure or anything like that very very few um and and though the ones that do end up in trouble just cause a lot of trouble <laughs> just, because they become political animals they, they all of the the good things that happen social wealth and financial wealth and it's usually somebody and it may be bodies in, the, in in the co-op that would want to do things incorrectly and therefore, it, it what HUD people said, and I have found, it just takes up a lot of time when you when you find yourself in that circumstance. Um, you know, we're going to take our last and final break. Uh, and this is great talking about accounting and how you can help people uh, and organizations through the numbers. Um So this is really exciting. We'll be right back to continue this conversation, Bruce. Please don't touch that dial. Information is power. Bruce, let's give some more information. Um, can you tell me, what are some of the kinds of things uh, as a auditor when you get into the books where you can really help nonprofits and co-ops?
1: Sure. I, I think one of the biggest areas uh, is... Uh, In looking at the uh, what we call internal controls or checks and balances of an organization, where we take a look at um, how uh, checks are signed and so forth and making sure that there's at least two people involved in uh, looking at transactions. Uh, We Unfortunately, uh, still find occasionally uh, frauds and, and uh, just misunderstandings uh, in co-ops and nonprofits where uh, there are not two people involved in taking a look at things. And so uh, those can be a problem. So uh, we hope to prevent those by paying attention to those areas closely. And since we work with a lot of co-ops in particular niches, things like food co-ops, we have specific knowledge on uh, you know ways ways that they can implement those, but any any co-op can can benefit from just paying attention to those sorts of issues. You you can't just rely on trust to make sure that everything will be accurate. You need to have systems in place to to do that.
0: Well, speaking of trust, what I've what I have heard this is in, in my training and in, in my my is you put these checks and balances in place to keep honest people honest um, because. Everybody sometimes in their life will have downturns and somebody will be sick or, you know, there's something happens in the house or something and they need this cash. And so you want the checks and balances so that they won't be tempted to go and put their little fingers into the tilt and take something out. Um, So that's the checks and balance really, really, really help with that.
1: Yes and and I, I think when I started in accounting I didn't really believe that. I thought, you know, why why are we studying this? But um through uh long years of experience I, I've seen that uh you know uh, you know in and and people often have desperate circumstances in their lives but they may steal money from their church or uh, you know, from people that, that, that you know, their family members and so forth. And so uh, if there were checks and balances in place, those things wouldn't have happened. And they may have been able to find another solution to uh, their challenges.
0: Yeah. Another solution or go down the street. Don't, 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 do, it don't, don't do it here. Right. Then I've also found, though, Bruce, is that no matter how good the checks and balances, there's some real smart people out here. <laughs> and, well, there uh, are.
1: And, um, yeah. And it does happen, you know, that, that there can be frauds, and that's why you need, you know, uh, you know, to be able to det- detect things after they happen, as well, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as try to prevent them before they happen.
0: So that's one thing is um, to get these internal controls. What else um, have you learned, or would give sure. advice? Sure. Well, I think that
1: auditing basically can just help uh, people think in a more organized way about their financial situation, uh, to take a look at things like we talked about, how much how much debt do they have? Uh, how much could they afford to have? Could they be using their assets more efficiently uh, by taking on more debt? There, there are some questions like that. Um, and just making sure that things are reconciled on a regular basis. We often run into cooperation uh, where they are not looking at their financial statements regularly uh, that they put them off or they're not holding their bookkeeper accountable to make reports and so um, you know some businesses need uh, financial information every day or every week um, but pretty much every business needs it at least once a month and we run into folks who don't look at their their books at all except once a year when we come in to do their audit and so uh, hopefully our audit can help them think. Uh, more about the financial end of their business most people who are uh, get into interested in co-ops are not interested in the numbers end of it um, and so they do need somebody to help them think about that side uh, in an organized way and so we we hope to be able to provide some of that perspective that would help them be more successful at the things they are good at um, you know going out and and uh, finding clients for their co-op or, or whatever it is that they do
0: So you mentioned earlier the balance sheet, the uh, income statement, the cash flow. I have found um, through experience, not not in any formal education, that the cash flow, how much money is coming in and how much is going out, that is a better measure for day-to-day management. And so needing that on a weekly basis, monthly basis, and what I uh, used to do religiously was look three months back and three months forward. Uh, to to look at uh, like every day you can say here's how much money we're gonna need for that property taxes that, that doesn't come up all the time uh, twice a year or that insurance payment or and so you can plan the cash and I have found that to be extremely important I, so I this thing where nobody looks at the reports but <laughs> once a year I can't even phantom that <laughs> I, got, I got you get it. You, you you've you've seen that i, I yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, in and, and so in terms of the balance sheet, cash flow, and income statement, from a management standpoint, what have you seen works best? Uh, like I've found the cash flow, or what do you advise people is best in using that for, for management?
1: Well, I, I think that a lot of managing does focus on the income statement, and that's certainly very important if you're growing your uh, you know your sales or revenue number. Uh, Generally, it makes the business easier to operate, uh, uh, and if you're controlling your expenses, uh, you know again that uh, typically means that you're able to pay yourselves more or um, you know have more profits to be able to share with the co-op uh, if you're effectively managing your income statement. Uh, but again uh, longer term uh, management does involve looking at your balance sheet and how much how much debt you have how much receivables uh do you have are you know are you not paying your bills on a regular basis that that sort of thing can help the, the cash flow statement is most important when cash is very tight which you know many co-ops do operate with very tight cash and so they need to take a look at um, you know the cash coming in not just the income statement, but are we collecting our receivables on a regular basis? Can we put off paying somebody for another few days or a week uh, if we need to and, and so forth? So managing your business, uh, you know, you, through all, all of those statements is important from different time frames. The cash flow statement being really the most day-to-day uh, income statement, a little bit longer term, and then balance sheet, uh, you know, yet longer term than that.
0: Okay, so I noticed on your web page that you talk about putting people first, and I have it that in the capitalistic model, you say you're not a co-op, but a lot of these values seem like you're a co-op, you operate like it, but a lot of capitalistic model, they, they, they're they interested in three things, profit, profit, and profit. In a co-op model, they're interested in people first, planet second, and profit third. And you have putting people first. How, how have you found both you're working because you're not a co-op, you're more in a capitalistic side of organization or partnership or LLC. Mm-hmm. And how have you seen those companies that put people first operate compared to those companies that put profit first?
1: Well, I I think that, um, you know, putting people first. In that case, we're referring to the people who work here. Mm hmm and so uh, we want to make sure that they uh you know value are valued uh here that uh, you know we ask for their input that we're still small enough that you know people can walk in into uh talk to whoever they want to if if there's something that, that needs to come up and that, that we listen and and change things um, you know, that we try, uh, public accounting is a fairly uh, deadline driven and can be a stressful business. And so we we try to uh, make time for people to have parties and, and, you know, people, you know, we'll sponsor an event like everybody goes out bowling as a fundraiser for a nonprofit. And so we'll pay for everybody to go do that and, um, you know, make sure that, uh you know, people like where they work. Well, one of the things I've read is that, you know, satisfaction with your life uh, and your job uh, can be related to the fact that you know and like people that you work with. Mm-hmm. So we try mm-hmm. to make it a place where that can happen.
0: Absolutely. So, okay, so you pretty much have found that through your reading and your experience and putting people first has, has a payoff.
1: <laughs> oh, well, and it, it does because then, uh, you know, turnover, uh, public accounting is notorious for people leaving, uh, after two or three years. And, and we have a much, much lower turnover rate than that. Um, and so, uh, it's extremely expensive when somebody leaves and you need to replace them. And so keeping somebody there, uh, keeping somebody here rather, and keeping them happy, um, you know, you know, can be good for them because it's stressful to change jobs. And then it can be good for us because we're not uh, having to retrain somebody every year.
0: So I know you said you had eight people in the cooperative side. How many people total work for Wagner? It's about 130 people. Uh, we
1: have a, a few different offices here in Wisconsin. Um, And so, you know, uh, one of the things that I I like about being in a somewhat larger business is because we can share uh, tasks. And if we get a little bit overloaded in our group, uh, you know, we can uh, use other people in the firm to help us catch up. And so we don't tend to get uh, terminally bogged down, which can happen uh, to small uh, consulting sorts of businesses.
0: Bruce, do you like what you're
1: doing? I, I I love what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm uh, 62 now, and, and uh, retirement becomes inevitable at some point. But I'm trying to put it off as long as I can.
0: Well, I'm 72, and I'm not looking at retirement. That, that's a, a four-letter <laughs> right, word well, or something. Use like you that. as a model. <laughs> okay, no, I just, um, Leave message in. What would the message you'd like to leave for people? We got about a minute left.
1: Sure. I, I think just that uh, you know the accounting side of your co-op is very important, and you, know, you should pay attention to it, but that co-ops can help change the world, and, and I think that uh, more co-ops uh, is a good thing, and so to the extent people can encourage more co-ops, that would be good.
0: Thank you, buddy. It's a pleasure. Thanks for taking our time being with us, and everybody out there, we'll see you next Thursday, and please live cooperatively.